Well, hello, friends. And uh, I, today, a slight change of pace, uh, going to talk about Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, who says he's ready to step up to the plate and help end Major League Baseball's lockout. Uh, well, he's a very able uh, Labor Secretary, uh, former mayor of Boston. Uh, I've had a chance to talk to him a number of times. My advice to Marty as former Labor Secretary to the, to the current one Marty, stay away from baseball. I mean, I wouldn't touch another baseball labor dispute if if Babe Ruth asked me in person. Uh, look, here's the my experience. In 1995, the owners and, and players were at loggerheads, uh, just like they are today. Uh, I tried to mediate. I was Secretary of Labor. Uh, Bill Clinton called me on the phone. I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, Bobby, this is Bill. Uh, how, are, how are you doing on the strike? Uh, which translated in my head was, what the hell's going on? The World Series may be canceled for the first time in his, in a century and on my watch, unless you settle this thing soon. Well, I responded to the president. I said, we're doing a lot of talking. Players want free agency. The owners want a salary cap. The only way we're going to give players free agency and not have all the star players all end up in the wealthiest clubs is for the big clubs to share some of their revenues with the smaller ones, maybe through a, a tax on team payrolls. Each side would have to give a bit. That's what we're working on now. Uh, I'm sure Bill Clinton translated that in his head and understood what I was really saying was I'm getting nowhere. Uh, Bill was eager to get involved. He smelled a deal. He wanted to be savior of the national pastime. Uh, and he heard that the two sides were in Washington. Uh, he asked me, why don't we just call them over to the White House and see how far we can get? Well, hours later, Bill and Al Gore and I were in the Roosevelt Room with Bud Selig, who represent the owners, and a fellow named Don Fear, who represent the players, and the other owners and players from the two bargaining committees. The owners were middle-aged, gray, corporate the players were big, hulking young men who looked, they really looked stiff and awkward in white ties and shirts and jackets. Uh, they sat motionless uh, around the giant mahogany table in the Roosevelt Room. Now, down the corridor and around the corner, the White House press room was crowded with reporters and cameras anticipating a story about how the president settled the baseball strike. And I remember Al Gore began ponderously. Uh, as I understand it, he said, the players don't want their salaries to be capped, and the owners say a salary cap is the only way to keep the smaller teams competitive. Now, if the owners would only agree to tax themselves so that the larger teams would subsidize the smaller teams, we'd be halfway home. And if the players would agree to some sort of ceiling on their individual contracts that would get us the, the other half, uh, we'd be there. So, I mean, it was almost as if Gore was talking to five-year-olds. The real question, he said here, is how far both sides are willing to come in order to strike a fair balance. Am I correct? Well, there was no answer. Uh, one of the young pitchers cleared his throat, and he said, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, I love baseball. We all love baseball. This isn't really a dispute over money. And then he looked intently around the table. Hell, he said, I'd, I'd be willing to play the game for $3 million a year if I got some respect. 
I couldn't repress a cough at that point. After two hours of this, uh, we were still nowhere. Let's take a break, Bill said quietly. Maybe if we just talk informally, we can make some progress. Uh, Bill was an, an eternal optimist. He was convinced that there was always a deal lying out there somewhere. It's what made him a super salesman. He was absolutely certain that every single person he met, Newt Gingrich, Yasser Arafat, whoever, wanted to find common ground. It was simply a matter of discovering where that was. If the owners would agree to binding arbitration, it would be over. But they wouldn't budge. Uh, so Bill and I went with Bud Selig, the representative of the owners, to another office. Bill sat down next to him on a couch, and then he commenced what I came to call the move. Bill's face was six inches away from Selig's. Bill's arm rested on the back of the couch behind Selig's head so that his hand reached around Selig's other shoulder. It was full intensity, Bill Clinton. I was amazed Selig didn't melt on the spot. Look, bud, Bill purred in his soft southern way. You guys can make millions. Millions. We'll have a big send-off for the season. I'll help you. We'll, we'll all help. I'll get Dole to go to Kansas, Gingrich to Atlanta. I'll have every major figure in America out there for the start. Can't you just see it? Bill sketched the vision in the air with his other hand. This will be the biggest season opening ever in the history of the game. Now all you need to do... At this point, Bill's voice became even softer, and he moved his face even closer to Selix. Is agree to have this thing arbitrated. It's in your interest, bud. Bill paused and looked deeply into Selig's eyes. And it's also in the interest of America. I thought I heard the national anthem in the distance. The performance was spellbinding. Selig's thin body seemed to be shaking. Uh, let, let, let me just, let, just check with the other, the other owners, he said weakly. I helped him out of the couch. He could barely stand the poor man. He wandered out of the office, dazed. Bill shot me a grin. I think we hit a homer. The reporters down the hall were restive. I couldn't help think. There were more important things for the president and vice president of the United States to be doing with their time than waiting for Bud Selig to return with his verdict. Surely something must be happening in China? But Bill was feeling good. While Selig conferred with the other owners, Bill joked with the giant players who were then leaning against corridor walls, chomping pretzels and slurping Cokes. The West Wing had been transformed into a locker room. David Cohn, a pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, told me I'd make a fortune in the majors. I don't know a pitcher who'd ever be able to strike you out, he said. Your strike zone is the size of a peanut, he laughed. I tried to look amused. This wasn't a labor dispute. It was a big finance fight between multimillionaires and multimillionaires over how to split billions. A half hour later, word came back that Selig and the owners had reached a decision. 
we regrouped in the Roosevelt Room. Selig looked at Clinton like a guilty puppy who has just chewed a hole through the carpet. He cleared his throat. I'm sorry, Mr. President. We can't do it. Clinton seemed stunned. I wanted to strangle Selig. Experts in the field of collective bargaining always warn that presidents should keep well away from labor disputes unless the national interest requires action. The nation may love baseball, but the national interest doesn't require owners and players to agree on a contract. A second precept is from experts on the presidency. Power is never to be frittered away on lost causes. Like much of the power in Washington, presidential power derives from the appearance of having it. Bill lost big that night. I remember him moving glumly into the press room, Al Gore and I at his side. The room was by then a pig pen of half-eaten sandwiches, soda cans, cigarette stubs, and bleary-eyed reporters. Boredom and impatience had evolved into hostility. I'm disappointed to say that the players and owners still haven't reached an agreement, Bill said earnestly, as the entire White House press corps began writing the next day's headline story about Bill Clinton's hubris and humiliation. I heard angry grumbles and questions coming from several places simultaneously. Mr. President, why did you invite the players and owners to the White House in the first place? Mr. President, if you can't even get these parties to agree, what hope do you have in Bosnia? Mr. President, does this mark the nadir of this administration's influence? Mr. President, why do you and your labor secretary think Washington should be involved in every employment issue in America? So you see, Marty, why I say stay away from baseball. Let them work it out for themselves. <laughs>